Gentle rain here in uh, Bluffers Park on Friday, July 17th. And uh, I only put out the podcast yesterday, number 18, Baby's Alley. And here we are, number 19 already, or at least the start of it. I know once my students get here, I'm going to be oh so busy that I won't have time to record, so I don't know what the schedule will be. There there never is a schedule anyway. They come out when they're ready. But um, how often I'll have time to actually record or piece things together, especially once I leave uh, Toronto with the students. I may go back to using my um, iPhone and um, that nifty little program, whatchamacallit, you know, where you uh, just put things Oh, tap dancer. What is it? What's it called? Um, sorry. I, man, I hate to do that, to uh, waste airtime by looking. And I can't even find it. I think I even took it off the phone. You know, the one that everybody's using anyway. Oh, here it is. Boss Chalk. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of excited. Today... You know, this is the last Friday before they come. It's just a few days. I think, man, have I done everything? Have I really covered all what I have to do? But in the back of my mind, all I wanted to do today was go to a bookstore that I never get to because it's uh, downtown. It's just past the only. Uh, we we pass it. Whenever we're out drinking at the only and we leave the only and walk towards uh, the Eaton House, we always pass and it's always closed. And so I thought, no, I want to, I really want to go in there and uh, check it out. It's called Circus Books and Music, 866 Danforth Avenue. So that's Danforth, Danforth East. It's a wonderful book, record, uh, shop of the old style, and there are not enough of them left. I've talked to you about uh, The Great Escape right here on Kingston Road in Scarborough, or just on the border Scarborough, Toronto. Uh, this one's the East End on the Danforth. And I was talking to the owner, and it's just... The understanding is that young people want things now. If they walk into a store and they don't have it, they're angry. People don't browse anymore other than on Amazon. He said, what's the biggest seller of records now? It's Amazon. People just go to their computer, look things up and order it. And I know I've been guilty of finding... You know, Timothy Leary books that you can't get anywhere else. He had none today at all. Online. Well, sorry about that. The uh, batteries died. Okay, where were... Yeah, so he didn't have any Timothy Leary. But 
wonderful collection of material, of literature, of books on film, on music, on philosophy, everything there. Uh, and I went through the... Um, looking for Leary, of course, there's none. Then I went through the beat section, or actually Kerouac, and uh, there was another section on poetry that had Ginsburg and stuff. And I found two books for my Kerouac collection that I don't have, and I'm thrilled to get. Uh, this one is called Jack Kerouac's American Journey, The Real-Life Odyssey of On the Road by Paul Mayer Jr. So it's the background to the road trips that Kerouac made. And that, to me, that's this is great stuff. I, I just picked up um, the Dharma Bums again today. My friend Barnacle Bill just finished reading it. And I thought... Here we go. My church has reading groups, or will in the fall anyway. They'll they'll pick a book, and of course these are going to be contemporary books and so on. I thought, wow, if I ever had a chance to choose a book, I'd pick something from the Beat era because I, I think most people have forgotten the importance and how they were the trailblazers and, and how important it is to acknowledge uh, not just Kerouac, but the whole Beat movement which opened the gates for the hippie movement and, and so on and all the changes that followed. And if you want to look at gay rights and, and uh, tolerance and interrela- interracial relationships and everything else, you've got to, you've got to start with the beats. <clears throat> so anyway, this is a gym. Uh, so it'll be a lot of information about what he was actually doing when he went on those trips and who he was with and, and the, the story behind the novel, which is great. Uh, I'm surprised I've never seen it before, and it's quite, you know, it's uh, th- th- these are used books which I treasure more, far more than new books. Uh, he also wrote Kerouac's His Life and Work and Empty, Fa- Ent- Empty Phantoms, Interviews and Encounters of Jack Kerouac, editor. Um, and this was, let's see, written, oh, copyright 2007. Okay, it's fairly new. Uh, now, the other one I picked up, as ever, the collected correspondence of Allen Ginsberg and Neil Cassidy. Now, I've already got correspondence between Burroughs and Kerouac and Kerouac and Ginsberg and so on. But this looked interesting because it's the letters from the 40s, 50s, and 60s uh, between... Neil Cassidy, who you know was the hero of On the Road, the driver, and later showed up in Ken Kesey's work, the driver of the psychedelic bus, further. Uh, This is copyright 1977. And uh, that should be interesting. And and the reason I got this one, oh boy, I love how all this is tying together, was... On my last podcast, I think, or somewhere along the line, I mentioned the possibility. I felt, suddenly I realized, oh yeah, I was talking about how much fun it was to put together my information from my host families and everything else, and the, you know, printing stuff off, and I I just thought, well, maybe it's time to think about bringing back a print version of Dixon Jane's, and uh, let it go, and only one person picked up on it, Jason, thank you. Um, so when I saw this book, I thought, wow, that is just the kind of book where you just pull out a paragraph, one paragraph, 
and you stick that in the newsletter, and that anybody who is a fan of the Beats or somebody else, they're not going to find it anywhere else. They're not going to read the whole book, but they'll just see something that, wow, that's kind of interesting. Oh, that was written in when, 1955? From from where? Um you know, here we are, New York, January 1953. Wow. Dear Neil, Jack is back here. Have seen him not much, though. He's at Mother's house hiding out. Comes in to see White, Holmes, Self. Seldom, never except through my arranging, Claude. Came in time the New Year's, cried drunk and high in a cab at dawn on the way home from Newman's recording studio. Couldn't tell why crying except general recognition of time past and self back in New York, older and, question mark, no wiser. But he and I had long, sincere talk. We joke a little at each other's expense, and I feel there's something underlying battle somewhere lurking. Now, I'm not going to go on and on, but that is gold to me, okay? You're not going to read that in this book. Here's Kerouac, all right? 53. Jeez, he hasn't even published on the road, and here is drunk and crying. He's, he's written it, but it's not published. And you know that's just a little piece. So that's the kind. Okay, number one, I'm thrilled to find a book I've never had before. I'm holding it in my hands. It's used. It's old. Picked it up for what was this one? This one was eight dollars, twelve dollars. The other one, the American Journey, was eight dollars. And I thought that is just amazing. And then I went back to the music section. Of course, you know, I've also got a collection at home in my basement library of the Beatles. And it's never ending because there's just so much out there. Don't A serious collector isn't going to start collecting the Beatles because there's just too much. But <clears throat> found a copy called Death of a Rolling Stone, the Brian Jones story. And it's very clear this is not a history of the Rolling Stones. Now, Brian Jones was the one I loved the most when they, when they first came out. And that's the one I connected to when I had my very first album, Rolling Stones. Uh, and there's a great picture on the cover of, you know, relatively short hair, especially Bill Wyman and Charlie Watts. And they look so innocent, these early, early stones who I love so much. Well, this is the, this is the guy I'm interested in, and it's just one of these one-of-a-kind books. There was no price in it, and to my discredit... Uh, I went up to the cash, the guy I talked to, and uh, said, how much? I said, I don't know, 10 bucks. I said, could you give me a bit of a break on it and buy any other two as well? And I really didn't have to say that. And he said, no, look, come on. You know, it's it's 1982, and I look at it, copyright 1982, first printing 1982. Like, this is a rare book. You're not going to find this. I've never seen it before, so I apologized. I, you know, I said, gee, I'm really sorry. I wasn't trying to cheat you. I think I used the word jip. Uh-oh. Um, but we went on. We had a good conversation. And I'm thrilled about this, like a story about Brian Jones, who he was, and, and you know, right up leading to his death. I looked and I cheated and went towards the back when he was, they were trying to check him into a, a psychiatric hospital. Like he needed, needed help. But here we are. Look, there's a picture when they recorded uh, the Magical Mystery Tour. No, I'm sorry, that's the Beatles. Um, the Rolling Stones, when they did that crazy album as, as a... Oh, maybe it was, yeah, Her Satanic Majesty's Request. So, again, there'll be stuff here. 
that I can sort of borrow and put into that newsletter. So I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. You maybe have heard a little bit through these podcasts about me worrying about starting to fade away. I mean, honestly, parking my car, walking to the bookstore, clump, 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 fuckity, clump, 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 clump. God damn it. I gotta fix my legs, and I think it's my hips that are out of line. There's something, my spine is crooked. I'm really fucked up in terms of walking. I can't walk any distances. I've got girls coming in three days, I've and it's all busy all the time while they're here, including Quebec City, walking from the hotel into the old city, back and forth. How the hell am I going to imagine? I keep thinking... I've got to find my son's old scooter. You know these little silver scooters that are collapsible? And if I can't find it, I should buy a new one so that I can actually ride a little scooter, bring it with me on the bus when I have to make a long journey, ride the little scooter. I mean, is that prelude? Oh, my God. Next thing he's going to have one of these bloody walkers. Does he need a motorized scooter next to sit down on? Oh, my God. No, no, no. This is just short term until I get... Whatever is wrong with me, straightened out. (sighs) Anyway, I am jumping around here, and that's quite all right, because uh, I'm beginning to feel more and more comfortable in my own skin again. Thank you. After that little period of a readjustment, you know? Started off, interesting enough, this podcast, The Baby Sally Talks, at one time, Baby Sally's Sunday Sermons, um... To have gone from talking about that weekend spent at the, uh, you know, counseling session. Why is my brain failing me? What do you call that? That special kind of thing I went to. What do you call it? It's a gestalt. Gestalt. Counseling. Um, And then getting to this point now, today, where, hey, I'm getting back into my old skin. This is me wanting to feel comfortable talking to you in the manner that I had grown accustomed to. And I I think I'm getting closer and closer and feeling a little bit better. I I think this might be the beginning of the upswing. Now... One more thing that's, to me, very important, whether it is to you or not, doesn't really matter. Thank you. Um, I took all those courses, remember? And if just in the past couple of years on counseling and I earned that little certificate from the college, and I really, I loved it. I really found I liked writing papers and preparing for classes and doing demonstrations that I need that kind of structure maybe, or that framework of a deadline, an assignment, a paper to do. I got excited when they were handed out. Not hear other people say, oh my god, I'm so busy, I don't have time. I'm the opposite. Good. Now somebody is going to give me a deadline, and I'm going to fill it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do it. Well, the same thing happened when Greta, our dear pastor at West Hill United, uh, said, I'm going to be away. And I know I told you this last time and the time before, but I'm telling you again now because it makes me so damn happy. Ken, would you uh, would you mind doing a service, doing a presentation? And then I got another call. And they're quite organized, right? you got to have a quote. You have to have a couple of songs maybe and, and add in and fit the pieces together. And today I got up and I said, the first thing I'm going to do, it's not my study tour right now. It's my preparation 
for this presentation, August 16th. And I say that might sound like a long way away, except that entire time is going to be taken up with my students. So I've got to get a, a lead on this. So I did a little um, bio, which they had asked for. Found a quote. I think it was the one I might have used on the last podcast. Uh, in fact, no, I used it. If you if you called up my last podcast, um, you'd see the quote right there from Carl Rogers. Um, and then I found two poems. The one poem from my college days, which I had copied into a little black notebook I used to carry around with me. And I want to mention that, too, about the importance of maybe trying to reconnect with your old-time college self. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not written there. But it, it was, if you visited the, the blog, you'd find that quote. Um, and then a second poem I found today from Nigeria, because my talk will be about Nigeria. And it was very fitting, too. It was very fitting, like a little child calling up his mother. When, when will we have electricity? When will we have water in our tap? When will I have a shirt, you know? When will I see my father? It's a very sad little poem, but perfectly fitting. But the point is, there was a deadline. Cam, I, I need this information. Can you do it? And bam, I jump on it. So I do, because of my loosey-goosey nature, my lack of focus, and my... Uh, unstructured in some ways life I value and appreciate and make good use of the little structure that's given to me so now of course the next project is okay actually come up with a presentation on what did I learn from Nigeria and I need that and maybe that and, and that's going to be fun I've already come up with half a dozen valuable life lessons I got from that time of living in Nigeria, which I'll share with you at some later date, I'm sure. In fact, I think I'll, if I give this presentation, or when I give this presentation at the church, I hope I can set it up to record. All right, the last point, damn it, I jumped ahead of myself there. Oh, shit, I hate when that happens. Uh, what I learned from it. All right, all right, all right. Sometimes you just, your mouth motors on too fast and you can't keep up and uh, you lose things. So, anyway, I got those three books. I got one more. Uh, so it was that kind of a day. Instead of doing work related to my preparation, I thought, no, man, this is, you've only got, <laughs> you don't have any more days off. Take advantage of this. So I did go to my local comic shop right here in, on uh, McCowan and uh, Lawrence and found the very last copy of We Stand on Guard, a two ninety nine book, which I got simply because Brent, our good friend, the closet geek, who has been to my church, by the way, thank you, um, recommended it. Said, hey, I got hold of this. It's great. It's really interesting. And uh, can't wait for the second to come out. And I thought, you know, when you hear things like that from people you trust, now this, this is kind of almost going full circle because it's me actually going finding out something via the internet and yet going to a private comic book store to buy the thing rather than ordering online um, and I've got it in my hands now and I, uh, I will treasure it so thank you for that I love the fact that he also gave it to me with a little bag with a sheet of cardboard in it which I see now 
is what people use to preserve their clients. So they stay neat and crisp, which we never had very young. And it's got, yeah, number one right there. So that's a keeper. That's a keeper. And then on my way out, I saw two other magazines, two mad magazines, uh, on sale for four dollars, normally six. You know, they're past issues, April 2015 and December 2014. Uh, one with Star Wars on the cover, and the other one with a missile going through a world peace sign that Alfred E. Newman is holding up. And I thought, Ken, get those. Oh, good. This one also features a spoof on Orange is the New Black. Excellent. And the other one is a spoof on House of Cards and Two Broke Girls. Excellent, excellent. Um, so, these are treasures. Now, the thing is, I bought them because I can give them to the teachers as gifts to bring back to Japan. Because they won't have them there. And even if those teachers don't want them themselves, they may have friends who would welcome such crazy gifts. But the trouble is, the trouble is, here's the problem. I'm so excited about them. I want to keep them for myself. Ooh, and now I've gone and blabbed about it. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Anyway, uh, a productive day, and I think, okay, here's the, here's the final bottom line on this thing, okay? The bottom line, the important part. I did what I wanted to do today. There was a whole lot of shoulds and maybes and betters hanging over my head. But that deep, deep inner voice, and it's been there for a long time, Ken, go to that store before. you. If you don't go today, you won't have another chance till the end of summer. And I'm just so glad I listened to that inner self. And, and wow, the treasures I came up with, the things that truly make me happy, the things that count to me. I didn't have to do any more work today. I'm on top of it. Everything will be fine. I've got tomorrow and Sunday and Monday for any last-minute things. Before taking the Pearson out, Pearson Express out the airport, I'm excited about that, too. Wow, first time. Okay, anyway, I'm going to put an end to this. Um, forgive that little blip in the beginning when the batteries died. Uh, I've got so many books now to read. Did I, did I ever finish that thought that I said yes? Oh, yes, I did, about me wanting to, if, I, if we did a book session at the church for a book talk, to have somebody read, to have them read. The book I would choose would be either Big Sur, which is where Kerouac has his nervous breakdown, which is good, but maybe more suitable for the church would be the Dharma bums, because it does talk about Eastern religion and wisdom and, and being up on the mountain and, and learning all this stuff. And I think that might have more general appeal. And I would like to lead it and actually give a talk, which has been my dream all along. Every time I go into my note, there's always the thing, yeah, design a court to teach about the beats. Maybe this venue, maybe this church is my place to do that. You know, maybe all the pieces are really starting to fit together. There is some hope that this is true. And I'm going to hang on to that hope for now. I'm even glad I came to Bluffers Park today and recorded this little clip. So I'm going to leave it there. And, uh... 
who knows what will be next. There'll be a song and then whatever else happens from whenever else. Take care, boys and girls, and uh, I'll be back soon. Thank you. Sweet, you may look sweet, and I'm right, but I'm
Okay, I'm back. Back at uh, St. Andrew's Cemetery. Very strange day. I, I, I knew the park would be full, Thompson Park. And I'm not even supposed to be recording today. I've got errands to run, but this is just taking over, and uh, that's not a bad thing. I'm learning to surrender <sighs> to the inner guidance, you know, the thing that says, hey, 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 let's do this, and uh, I'll get back to that. But right now in the cemetery, it's packed. I wanted to park under that giant maple tree that I record from sometimes. And it's full, so I don't know. I guess maybe there's an actual burial here today. I've never seen that before. But it's full. The cars are pulled up. Tons of people. I don't know how they're connected. I don't see a hearse or anything, but something's going on inside the cemetery. So I'm parked off on a side lot, sort of looking up at the church. But anyway, none of that matters. Except that I'm not in my usual spot, and obviously that's going to impact the words that I share with you today. Speaking of sharing words, guess what, guess what, guess what? You heard it here first. If you are a listener, you are in on the scoop. I am bringing back the Dixon Janes zine. Coming out this fall. Didn't waste any time with that, did I? Uh, It's just, boom, taken over. And I, I love, again, if you go way back in Dixon Jane's history, you'll find how I get really excited about how a seed becomes a plant, a tree, a flower, something or other. How things that just start off as a, as a bit of an idea take root, grow, you nourish them a little, and next thing you have something. And today I started writing on the very first cover of what will probably be a 12-page zine coming out this fall, volume 20, number one. Make a note of that, folks, because you want to get in on this. You don't want to be begging later on. Can I Can I have an issue? Well, sorry, you missed the opening offer. Uh, I'll time it. I'll time it. Not to upstage anybody, but I'll time it with the, uh, you know, Marshall McLuhan Roundtable. Seems a perfect occasion to officially launch the uh, revised Dixon Jane zine. And where that idea came from? Well, if you listen to this podcast, you would have heard just sort of me mention in passing. And by last night, I was on uh, the App Store looking for desktop publishing, which, again, I talked about and read through the reviews and came up with one regular $29.99 U.S. And here it was, summer sale. Sixteen ninety nine, half price. Like, and I thought, oh my god! I read the reviews. I looked at it. It's perfect. A perfect replacement because I don't have an up, you know, graded version. I used to work with PageMaker and then all the other uh, products that came out following that, you know. Um, but I just haven't kept up. Those things are very expensive. This thing on sale, summer price, sixteen ninety nine. I had it right on. I even clicked the buy button and then didn't follow through. I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll think about it and maybe I'll get it tomorrow. But I was right there. I thought, this is the one. This is the, this is the answer. The fact that it's half price, holy shit. And I need this kind of a framework so I can actually crank out these zines the way I used to love doing so much, you know, framing them, making a, putting in pictures and text and stories. And I just love desktop publishing. I think it's so cool. 
And so this is a real calling. Hey, come back to something you did. Last time I did it was the fall of 2003. That's when it stopped. Then a year off to listen to music, and then podcasting started, 2004. So anyway, here it is. This is the one. I'm going to get it. And just before bed, I said, no, no, no. Ken, think this over. Are you really going to do this? Don't don't spend that $16.99 now. Just, just leave it and come back tomorrow. I come back today, go straight back to it. Yes, I want it. It's $22.99. Jesus. Like, that was the price I paid for not listening to my inner voice. And I'm sharing that with you because it is kind of interesting that what happened that way. Like, it was really annoying. Like, overnight, within a matter of hours, probably at midnight, the price has jumped. And I lost that break. Now, it's only $6, but hey, I always keep a budget for Dixon Jane's. I always account for all the costs, all the money spent on it. You know, the envelopes, the postage. Uh, I have within me... Or with me here, sorry, not within me, that would be rude. Uh, an envelope with a Dixon Jane zine in a 16-page one. And I'm going to go to the post office today to how much would it cost to mail this to Canada? How much would it cost to mail this to the USA? How much would it cost to mail this worldwide? Then I'm going to take out a center two pages so that it becomes a 12-page zine and do the same thing, see if there's any difference. Because these are factors. You start multiplying that. And I have the feeling I'm going to have at least as many readers as I did for the first round of Dixon Jeans, which was about 50. I'm happy with 50. If i got 50 families, I call them, not, not readers, families. My goal is 50. By the way, uh, Yuki's page on Facebook has 49 likes as of today. I hope there's one more. If you haven't already liked Yuki's page, just go to my page. You'll find the link. On Facebook, give it a like, will you? Okay, so anyway, that's uh, that's what I'm doing. So this is sort of taken over. I mean, last time you heard from me, I was you know all, all the stuff I have to do for my tour and my everything else, and here I am buying books for the trip and um, preparing, preparing. Like I bought the software, I paid that extra six bucks. Grr, anger. Mm. But the lesson learned. Hey, next time you believe in something. Go for it. Don't don't hold back. You know, don't wait. And uh, that's a lesson I'd like to share with you. So we're going to go to the post office next. Then i got to go and buy drinks and stuff for uh, for my tour. I still have tomorrow and Monday. So this this just is priority. Now, I want to say one more thing. Um, my brain seems to require a certain amount of stimulation. Of it. Holy God, this parking lot is just fucking full. I don't know who died or who's getting buried, but this is full today. It's incredible. Um, we were before the BMW pulled up. The Oh yes, my brain. It seems when I'm working under deadlines, like I am for this tour that's coming Tuesday and it's now Saturday, uh, I get under, I get into a new mm, mindset. And it gets very, very... Busy, just activated, I guess, stimulated. And this is what opens the doors for creativity for me. Because I can be a bit of a slug at other times and just wait and wait and put things off and so on. And now, with this, I just, bam, I'm all fired up. I'm ready to go. Firing on all burners. Something else that's interesting about this little funeral gathering is people don't seem to know each other. Like, they're getting out of cars, and they're all heading to the same place. 
but they're not talking to each other. Well, that's, I guess that's not unusual for a funeral. Okay, anyway, let me uh, let me just leave. I just wanted to plant that with you. I thank you. I guess Jason, I owe a special thanks to that up in this brain, Jason. Um, we, he and I have a, a pretty good bond, I think, and it's one of those things that came through the podcasting. And, uh, you know, I was kind to him at the start. He's been kind to me in return, and, and that's a good thing. And he was the first to, you know, say he'd be interested in Dixon Jane Z. Not only that, but he actually took the time to scan. I gave him some back copies. And he actually scanned to get them down to a reasonable size PDF version that I ever, ever, if I ever decided to go digital with these things. Now, the thing is, the whole thing is, I'm not doing this digitally. I mean, I'm doing it online, and I'm going to keep a PDF version for future use. But for now, what you're buying into is a paper copy. The sales pitch is paper. And uh, paper is the new screen, I'm calling it. Um, and this is... It was encouragement, I guess, from uh, Jason that just sort of added, you know, his working his way through the artist way and everything else. Me following his journey has been good for me, too. And uh, I like to think my journey has been good for some of you out there. That there is hope after you get to be 65. You know, yeah, you might start limping and having a harder time getting up and uh, everything else and getting it up. But life is still good. Life is still interesting. Life is still challenging. Life is still exciting. Anyway, the books I bought yesterday, the Brian Jones story. Man, I have never read a book as poorly written as this. So I Googled, who the hell was this Andy Aftel? And she said, the Brian Jones story, Death of a Rolling Stone. The first Rolling Stone, he founded the Rolling Stone. Anyway, the first biography about Brian Jones. And when I Google her name, all I find out is perfume. She's written several books on perfume. I guess she has a perfume company or something. She's a big name. And this just happened to be something she did way back in 1982 before her career launched. So obviously an ambitious person. Uh, and it, it's just, it's just kind of neat that, well, her life took a completely different direction. And she had no idea that's where it was going, I'm sure, when she uh, flew around trying to interview people who would talk to her about uh, Brian Jones, including Keith Richards. So, poorly written, uh, he does not come out at all a likable guy, just a bit of a creep. Two, you know, before anybody else, two children born out of wedlock, which I don't think he had any interest in. Uh, Girlfriends who would just use for cooking and fucking and then go out and chase other chicks and just really wanted to be famed. But he was the founder of the Stones, very fragile ego, and could not handle the... um, the jealousy he had over Mick, who eventually took over and became the leader. In fact, Brian Jones, according to this, was kicked out of the uh, Stones uh, before he died. <laughs> anyway, um, it's still an interesting read. I'm still, I've got it. It's great for my beats and sort of rock and roll collection because it is a one of a kind. You're not going to find it anywhere. Um, and then the last book. The third, the one I'm looking forward to the most, is the Kerouac American Journey uh, of the description of what the real Kerouac was doing. Now, I've read this countless times in countless books, but always having a different perspective is always interesting. And these people really go to town and research it and so on. Now, there's a beautiful quote 
Uh, I'll just read part of it. Uh, in fact, in fact, okay, wow. This is probably going to be on the pages of the new Dixon Jane zine, the one coming out this fall. Uh, because that's what I do. I, I, I go to the favorite books I have, and it often is Henry Miller or The Beats, which some people complain about, but not you. Not you. You're used to it by now. Um, and I'll just put a, a passage, a paragraph from one of these books, and give you the link of the author. You know, it's not going to be a hyperlink, no. And uh, that's how it works. And then I'm going to, you know, hopefully there'll be some tweets worthy. There might be a little tweet column. And uh, emails, if anybody cares to send them to me. Maybe even things I've heard on a podcast. Who knows? Podcast news. Yeah, that'd be good. So it's coming. It's coming your way. And I hope, I very much hope, that some of you who listen to this show are going to say, Hey, can. Count me in. Because there will be a fee. I do want to cover costs, right? I am not just doing this. Uh, It is a labor of love, of course. Absolutely. Uh, But... You know, I don't want to have to pay for your envelopes copying and postage. That's all. I'm just asking for, you know, break even. I feel justified in explaining who Kerouac was before he became popularly known as the road-weary figure of the road. Above and beyond the slide put down by critics of Kerouac as Neanderthal of the typewriter, he was both a powerful intellect and sensitive soul, keen as he ever was to override the limitations of societal thinking and to instead embrace the kernel of life by peeling off its dying husk and devouring the life force wholly. Okay. So they go on to talk about uh, Charlie Parker, who the same year Kerouac headed off on that road with Neil Cassidy in New York to California. Charlie Parker is just sort of recovering. Uh, Charlie Par- Charlie Yardbird Parker had returned to New York. 27-year-old alto saxophonist was proving to be the most important musical soloist on the bebop scene. He had just recovered from a nervous breakdown, alcoholism, and a heroin addiction, and was ready to reclaim his title as the decade's most formidable presence in jazz by forming a group consisting of Miles Davis, Max Roach, Duke Jordan, and Tommy Potter. Together, they recorded some of Bebop's most searing, original, influential music. Parker's music was a string of unbroken notes going wherever he chose to take them. His philosophy was simple. Music is your own experience, your own thoughts, your wisdom. If you don't live it, it won't come out of your horn. They teach you there's a boundary line to music, but man, there's no boundary line to art. The same could be said about the writing of Jack Kerouac, who both adored Parker's music and recognized him as a serious musician on the same par as his other musical hero, Beethoven. So you get that, right? Like, Kerouac's writing was going to be without the boundaries. And that is what, on the road, you know, why it's so famous, because it just shook up the the status quo. That, hey, it's a different way to write. You're writing with feeling. You're writing from experience, right? Whatever's coming out of your horn, you're just letting it go. And uh, that's what it... Anyway, that's just... I mean, that's like... That's the prelude, or preface, sorry. Haven't even started reading, but I'm so excited to have a new Kerouac reference book. One I have never heard of, one I've never seen before. Uh, Thrilled, thrilled, thrilled about this. Uh, Seems to me it was published on the uh, 2007, the 50th anniversary of Kerouac's On the Road. That's fitting also. And uh, this looks like another uh, 
Yeah, an early printing. Thundermouth Press, an imprint of Avalon Publishing Group, Incorporated, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Jack Kerouac's American Journey, the real-life odyssey of On the Road. So, boys and girls, this guy, Ken, your host here on the Baby Sally podcast, episode number 19, if you're keeping score at home, is uh, just thrilled, just so wired up, just so geared up, just so excited, just so turned on by the fact that yesterday I knew enough to listen to that voice and put aside the task you can do another day, follow your heart, and my heart kept saying, go to Circus Books. Right down on the Danforth. Go, go, go. And I went, went, went. And then, parallel to that, and coupled with that, it's all part of the same free flow thinking. Go ahead, man. Commit yourself to putting back Dicks and Janes. Just give it a year. What the hell, you know? Give it a year. See how it feels. Four issues, starting in the fall. And uh, that's exciting stuff. That's real exciting stuff. So I guess that's enough for now. I probably should get the hell out of here and go and do that bit of shopping. Although it's really stinking hot today, and I could probably put it off to Monday. Yeah. Ah, we'll see. All right. <clears throat> Scarborough dude. Gosh, that is just ooh, the wrong neurons firing there. This is Ken. <laughs> Back at you. Here's another tune. Bye for now.
Okay, it is Monday morning, July 20th. My students arrive tomorrow. So this is kind of a no-no. Like, I should not be sitting here in uh, St. Andrew's Cemetery, empty today, by the way, uh, talking to you. But when I get all geared up like this, I just, I just gotta do things. I gotta, I gotta complete this podcast. I'm just really fired up, which, which for me is a good thing. I seem to have this mode when I can just shut down completely and uh, just be still, do nothing, nap, read, uh, and then, oh, just gotta, gotta finish things, gotta do things. So I'm geared up now, partly because, uh, again, I mean, hey, <laughs> tomorrow. Jesus, this is getting crazy. And I'm just, my mind starts racing. Okay, you got to remember, you got to bring the name tags when you go to the airport on the bus. I dreamt last night that I was in Union Station and I couldn't find the new uh, Union Pearson train, you know, and it was just getting lost and crazy. And there was that anxiety that's obviously working at me on a deeper level, you know. My shit, is there anything I'm going to forget? You, When you've got... 40 people, 44 people depended on you for, you know, you got the tickets for the uh, the CN Tower? Did you did you do that yet? Have you got the, the time booked? Is is the bus going to show up? Is the did you did you get the drinks for the meals? You I mean you just they're going to eat and you don't you didn't get the drinks and so there's a lot of stuff that uh, I do have to take care of and there's always that scary feeling and yet once they're here I just sort of I get into it and I just eh, you know it's time factored in uh, I got a good team in place and uh, oh, yeah. and then of course there's the Marshall McLuhan Variety Hour which I'm really going to try and make it for the Friday night because I don't want to miss the whole thing damn it but I probably will come back Saturday night or Saturday evening with uh, Doug hopefully he won't leave too too early uh, but that's up to him, of course, and it's up to me whether I'm going to be foolish and stay. Nah, I'm going to have another beer and uh, crawl back on Sunday or, you know, do the right thing, leave with Doug. Okay, all right, let's park that. I'm also really geared up. I, I mentioned, you know, once an idea takes hold of me, once, you know, some ideas, they're just these pipe dreams, and you, you've heard thousands of them in this podcast. All the ones I want to sell to Mitch Joel for a million dollars. Mitch Joel, who, you know, <laughs> uh, I think he'd see through my pipe dreams. But, no, there's, there's a couple of really good ones in there. I still have one. I'm still sitting on a really, really good idea that if I was the kind of person who was a go-getter and, you know, if I was maybe 15 years younger and really wanted to kickstart my business, uh, I know what I'd do, you know, because I, I, I've learned. I, I'm, I could be very successful at this if I wanted, but what the fuck? Uh, it's too late now. And, yeah, just, you know, uh, let's park that. Let's move on. Where, where, what, what, what's the point of this? Okay, so yeah, so I'm trying to finish off before everybody gets here. I want to finish off this podcast. So I've got a short clip here, and uh, which is this that you're listening to now. And then I'm all fired up over this damn Dixon Jane zine, and I'm well into writing it. Like, Mel, the ideas are flowing, and uh, I've bought this program, I'm doing the page layout. There's actually going to be an interview. Now, some people will groan at this, but it's it's essential. 
Uh, the Scarborough dude is interviewing Ken. Now, so far, the Scarborough dude has been pretty nice about it all. There have been no nasty questions, but uh, that is something that's, uh, that is happening. Um, the music on this particular episode, I, want, I just want to get this out of the way, too. It started off with one of my all-time favorite ever Rolling Stone songs. And, of course, this whole uh, podcast is Stones because I'm reading, you know, about Brian Jones. A really sad story at the end. A guy who didn't realize his potential. Now, the author, like I said, she did a pretty shitty job. It's, it's a bit shallow. It's a bit repetitious. The writing style is pretty weak and so on. So, uh, so I'm not a book I'd recommend people go out and look for. You wouldn't find it anyway. Um, but there's a sadness to it. Now, I think he was suffering from, um, what do you call it, erectile dysfunction. And because he just had this inadequacy about him, this, this not good enough, and he didn't have his father's approval. And and Mick and uh, Keith teamed up and wrote all the songs and basically took the band away from him. When they got successful, when Andrew Lou Goldham took over as manager, knew what the Beatles were doing, saw the direction rock and roll was moving in, and Brian was a blues guy. Brian wanted to do this, you know, American black music, and he was really good at that, and that's when he started the Stones. And, and a lot of the music I'm playing is the earlier Stones, which I liked a lot. And they moved away from that, and that's when he just felt that he was cut off. And finally they visited him and said, look, by then he was just on so many drugs, uppers and downers, and, and just, he was a mess. Like, he really was pathetic, and he needed people around him all the time just to hold him together, and uh, uh, just any, any stream of women and hangers-oners and, uh, you know, people taking from him. And then this needless death in his swimming pool. When he really could have, he was just at that point of maybe he was going to start a new band. He had just left the Stones. I mean, they had sort of basically, hey, shit, I got off the pot. You're going to come with us on tour or you want out. And he just said there were musical differences and uh, he left. But, you know, he had felt he was finished long before then. However, he was the most creative musician of the whole bunch. And he played all these different instruments and could, he just, he, he had a passion for music and he really did love it and gave the Stones their early sound and so some of the tunes I'm playing here on this podcast uh, are his influence so the first one is 2120 South Michigan Avenue the one you heard at the start now some people would fast forward hey I never start the podcast with a song but I had to fit that one in it's it's one of my favorite like that just that beat and that rhythm and that's the, the address of recording studio in Chicago where they uh put that album together 12 by 5 so that that was a favorite uh followed by in the background going home which is just another great one that beat and that rhythm oh man it's lovely uh down home girl from uh, earlier earlier albums don't you bother me and then i ended it with a later stones after brian is gone just to see hey these guys really did Succeed. I mean, they, they, Brian was of another era, another time, another influence, and they went on to do some amazing stuff. And just that album, you know, with good studio production and everything, but that song, Waiting on a Friend, is another top favorite ever. And it's uh, this podcast, you'll hear that after I shut up, okay? All right, so that takes care of that. The Dixon Jane Zine, I am going to be calling upon certain friends, and I'll name two people right now. I'm going to publicly name these people, and that would be Mr. Francis Wooby, who you've heard about before on this podcast, and uh, Jason Up on This Brain. I know both these people are very good writers, and I would be thrilled, delighted, so pleased 
if either, both of you would write in something. Send me by email. Send me, you know, you attach a Word document. Whatever. It doesn't have to be long. It could be anything at all to put in this upcoming fall Dixon Jane zine. I would love a piece you're writing. Francis, uh, you probably wouldn't want to do this, but if you want to, want to talk about what it was like to beat the big C, or, you know, maybe that, no, 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 that's too close. You've already written to me personal stuff, and I, I won't share that. And, and here, here's the thing, folks. Rest in peace. I will never share anything that you don't want shared. Never. And this was a worry in the earlier Dixon Jane zine that people might send me something and be afraid it's going to show up in print and get mailed to 50 people. That ain't going to happen unless you want it to. Okay? So have no fear. I don't dig up old laundry and stuff. Don't worry about it. But if you would write, like to write something or share something on anything, just, just reflections on... Being in America under this upcoming, oh my God, what's the future hold for America? It could be anything. It doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be personal is good. But yeah, I want the real person's personal thoughts. But it can be on absolutely any bloody topic. Okay? It's open. So those are two people, anybody who I haven't mentioned. Uh, Rob out in Singapore. No longer Singapore. Out in Thailand. I just was flipping through a back issue of Dixon Janes and saw you had done a whole thing about the, the new house you've moved into. Any thoughts, reflections you have? Uh, including putting in a plug for people to come and uh, stay with you, you know, as as a B and B, uh, and so that they would pay for. It. I'm not talking about freeloaders showing up on your doorstep, uh, other than me. Um, just people out there with creative juices, join me in this relaunching of the Dixon Jane scene. Okay, I'm going to end on that note. That's basically what this whole damn thing has been about. And, uh, man, oh, man, I, I am excited, and I've needed this a little bit. I've needed to get myself geared up again. And I know there can be ebbs and flows, ups and downs, ins and outs, and I could just as easily a week from now just be crashing from, what a stupid idea, nobody's going to want it, and uh, why did I do this? However, I don't think I'm going to let that happen. I think I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to set up a PayPal account, I'm going to get really organized, I'm going to have a database, addresses. This thing is going to be in the mail. Uh, I already told Barnacle Bill about it, probably a mistake, but I told him anyway. And uh, he said, I hope you're going to send it a copy to all the original readers. And I think that would be the right thing to do, with information on how they can subscribe. But if they don't want to, great, take this one free and that's it. So I'm going to, I'm on my way right now to get some photocopying done and get a price quote. What's it going to cost to have a 12-page zine done? Because the costs are, you know, that's why I need this. Uh, $12 Canadian, 16 American, 20 international. There they are for a year subscription. Four different issues, 12 pages each. There it is. Last, I'm going to say about it, Dicks and Janes is back. Holy shit, eh? And I can thank Baby Sally for that. Ooh, maybe it'll be a Baby Sally production. Hmm, who knows? All right. Thank you. Signing out. I gotta go. I got. I got shit to do, man. Jesus Christ! I'm going full fucking tilt here on a Monday morning. God damn! Put the fucking brakes on, boy. Woo! Sorry. All right. Bye for now. Listen to this song. It's great.